Hey everybody, this is Shaka, one of the co-hosts of Voices Unlocked, and I'm here with my co-host Pam Belly, co-founder of More Than Our Crimes, but actually produces this podcast. Today, we want to talk about a subject that seems like an ever-present concern, which is inflation for many millions of families. It affects the prices of everything. But what a lot of people don't really understand is that for incarcerated people, inflation, man, it makes life so hard for incarcerated people. There's a store in every federal prison called a commissary. And a lot of times this commissary is the only means of life-giving sustenance for incarcerated people. Today, Pam, would you mind sharing the story that you had with one of the interviewees that you did? Yeah. So today we're featuring an interview with a gentleman named Jeremy Fontanez. He's currently incarcerated in a medium security prison in Maryland called FCI Cumberland. Hmm. And I tell you what, he is one of the reasons why I do this work. One of the joys of communicating with people in prison is you discover these hidden gems behind the bars. Jeremy is, if you heard his sentence, you'd assume he's like some kind of monster, right? Because he's serving a very long sentence till 2039 in federal prison. And then he has like a life sentence in Pennsylvania. But I have to tell you, if you know him today, he is the most intelligent, articulate, hardworking, productive, talented people I've met. And I'm not talking about met in prison, met period. He teaches art in the recreation department, and he's written several essays for More Than Our Crimes, in fact, on the subject we're going to be talking about today, and we'll include links to his essays in the notes for this podcast. So before I play the first segment of his interview, I want to remind our viewers and listeners, how we actually do these interviews. Because we're not allowed into the federal prison. So when they call me, and it can only be for 15-minute bursts for most of them, I actually put it on speaker and I hold a recorder up to the phone. So that means the sound quality isn't always the best. You may hear some noise in the background too. And what people also hear is this recorded voice that breaks in periodically saying that this is a call from a federal prison, like like, like we don't know. sort of funny. So in this first segment from Jeremy, he talks about the prison commissary or store, which I'm not sure everybody realizes exists and why it's really, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. Commissary items are actually, they are necessary because the prison will provide you with a bare minimum. And how many people can actually survive on a bare minimum, right? From month to month. When we get paid at work, when we do have a job, we only get paid once a month anyway. So if the prison gives me a small bar of soap this week, they expect me to make that one bar of soap last for two weeks. And then two weeks later, I got to try to get another small bar of soap. The bar of soap will grow fast. The things that we get in here are bare minimum. So we have to supplement our needs, not just food, but our needs as far as hygiene in order to be able to get through the month in a fairly stable fashion. Otherwise, you're kind of juggling to get through and it's a struggle. Nobody can live comfortably or nobody can live reasonably on the bare minimum that's being strung along. So the commissary is a, is a necessity. Even when it comes to clothing, they give us khakis, they give us prison uniforms, but in order to be comfortable in ourselves and stuff like that, we still have to buy our own shorts, we have to buy our own shirts, we have to buy our own sweatpants or buy our own shoes, we have to buy our own shoes. So commissary is not simply a luxury. There's necessity that we have to pull from there. So these stores, as you've gotten the idea already, are absolute necessities. And that's why what I hear a lot from the people I correspond with in prison is that when, say, one of them in a unit does something wrong, everybody gets punished. It's like collective punishment. And one of the ways they might get punished is to have their commissary privileges either taken away or restricted. Like they may be 
limited to only spending a very small amount that month. And this whole episode is showing you why that's so onerous because right. they, they could go hungry as a result. And the other thing that I hear is, so in light of that, you almost get like this little business. So I know a couple of guys in prison because they're expecting to not be allowed to go to the commissary, either as a punishment or because they're all being locked down, right. you know, kept in their cells, that they may like hoard, they may buy extra food right. and set up their own little store lose, in yeah. their cells so they can sell to other prisoners. Right. Is that something that you experienced when you were in prison? Because you were in prison for how many years again? Yeah, I was incarcerated for 26 years. And I've only been recently released like over a year ago. I came home in 2022. And um, my direct experience of like dealing with commissary restrictions where you got to realize like the prison cuisine, <laughs> if you call it, they have a national menu, you know, from Sunday to Saturday, you know, and a lot of times the food is a poor quality, very poor quality. Mm -hmm. I remember one time when I was working in the kitchen, you actually had... Un go to the warehouse, unload the meals for the week. You read the boxes, and it's literally say not for human consumption. You don't even know what we're eating, you know. And you know they get by. A lot of the food is there is the ex beyond the expiration date, and we used to take it to our supervisor. Anybody? Well, it says uh, best used by. It means it's not spoil you. It just optimally it would be best to use before this date, but we could still feed it. You know, so this is the food that, you know, serving to the general population. And so a lot of times, you know, guys, you can't eat this food. So your only means of really surviving is through the commissary. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of the products of the commissary is food based on this high sodium, full of sugar. You know, uh, they have a few supplements like for protein stuff. But a lot of times, like guys, you know, it's a one in joke, you know, it's the difference between a college student and an inmate is the Roman noodles, you know, <laughs> <The> Roman noodles, <laughs> Roman noodles <laughs> you know, eat those type of things. Right. Yeah. And actually sometimes that's all you can really eat, you know, but it's crazy. Like uh, when I came home, you go to the store and uh, a pack of Roman noodles soup is like 25 cent and the prison is the 50 cent, you know, and those huge price differences, you know, it affects these guys because, when you only have this institution job, right? And you only get paid $5, you know, $5.49, literally a month. <laughs> I used to see guys, you know, after a month, they get the institution check and they come back with a bag with like three soups, a bar of soap mm -hmm. and a pack of sardines or mackerel. And that's how to last them for a whole month, you know? But the quality of food is so poor, like, what can you do? So especially even when guys that, you know, because everybody comes from diff different economic backgrounds. So some guys that can go to store, like you said, there's an institution where there might be a riot or let's say a, a incarcerated guy attack an officer, then they're going to punish the whole compound. So only you only can spend $25 a month for everybody. That's severely. And then 25 months, now you have to prioritize your needs. Do I buy a commissary? Do I buy food? Do I buy writing utensils, stamps? You know, and so it's definitely, you know, price gouging, you know, how they raise these prices and they don't make matters any better because they raise the price, but they don't increase the work pay, your yeah, pay right. that you get. So, yeah, we're going to talk a lot more about that later in this next segment from Jeremy. He's going to talk about the food part specifically. And actually, we could do an entire podcast episode on food. 
and maybe we will in the future. But he's going to talk a little bit about why people might think that you're buying luxury items at the prison store or something. He talks, but no. In fact, I think most of what they buy is food. So let's take a listen. The BOP is required to provide us with the bare minimum of caloric intake on a daily basis. So the bare minimum is 2,000 calories a day. And it's not enough to get you through the entire day because each tray is kind of small. Like I said, a bare minimum. So by the time you're done the tray, you're still hungry, all right? If you want to fill up, you can fill up, but you have to eat a lot of carbs. So they carve us to death, right? A lot of rice, a lot of potatoes. And it's all the simple carbs, the bad type of carbs. So a lot of us overeat just to kind of have a full stomach when it comes to stuff like that, but it's not healthy. The protein we get is hard to get from the chow hall because they monitor it real tightly. So if I want to eat a a really well-balanced meal, I have to be able to buy something off a commissary to kind of supplement my diet so that I'm not going hungry at night, so that I'm not eating too many carbs, because like I said, we get carved out all the time. Yeah. So yeah, you need that. And if you're health conscious, the food here isn't all that. This call went from a federal prison. My only way of getting feeling like I'm full is to eat a lot of carbs, then that's even doubly unhealthy. So if I want to be able to be health conscious and exercise, I have to be able to supplement my diet properly. And that comes from the commissary, of certain items on the commissary, which those particular items are already more expensive than everything else. Wow. I mean, what Jeremy hit on is like, it resonates so much with me, right? And it actually brought me back a few years, not being removed from that space where I have to call home to my family, you know, and that would be kind of shame because, you know, I don't want to already my family serving this life sentence with me. I understand that me not being there. And I understand that, you know, especially in the aspect of inflation, how, you know, where, you know, your moms or your loved ones, you know, explained that, you know, how it costs a living, especially during when they had the incident where they was paying like damn near $5 for gas. You know, and my mom was telling me how, you know, like eggs were like going up. She tried to eat as healthy as she can, but it's like organic eggs might be twelve dollars mm-hmm. or something. And then you turn around after hear this conversation, be like, "Well, hey mom, do you mind sending me fifty dollars?" You know, that's kind of gut wrenching, and you really have to swallow your pride because sometimes, especially during my the point in my life where I'm like I'm doing a lot of pro se litigation, I'm spending hundreds of dollars and sending these packages out to legal briefs, filings, whatever. And, you know, I had to turn around and ask my, you know, my mother for like fifty to a hundred dollars or something. And she, you know, she give it. And you may have a hundred dollars, right, in your account. And when you go to the store and you might spend like ninety nine dollars and eighty nine cents and you come back to your cell with this bag, but like I say, a bunch of soups, rice, protein, uh, multivitamins. And also, not only that, but people don't understand that not only do you have to buy your own food, but sometimes you have to buy your own over-the-counter medications. Mm-hmm. You have to buy your own ibuprofen, mm-hmm. your, your own pain, uh, fever, everything, your medicine that you may need, you have to pay that for yourself out through the commissary. You know, so it's very hard for the lot. And then what my heart goes out, because I'm thinking, I'm listening to Jeremy, like, and I think about like a lot of the guys who don't have that family support. Yeah. They didn't have that support. So it was really bad to see that and knowing that these guys, especially the guys that don't have their GD, because when you don't have a GD in the federal system, they cannot pay you over maintenance pay, which is $5.49. Yeah. So that's just the only means that you can go to store every month. So it's very, you know, gut-wrenching just to relive those moments. Those And I see those faces, you know, those guys trying to call home, ask from my own experience, you know, 
Yeah, what Jeremy said hit me well, hit me hard. Yeah, well, you know, More Than Our Crimes has like more than 900 individuals in our network now. And I have to tell you, I come into contact with a lot of individuals who don't have family members, don't have jobs. And they won't ask me for money. Some of them do, but they won't ask me. But I hear these stories about how they can't afford commissary right. or, or emails, et cetera. And it's like I, you know, and I want to send them money. You know, of course, as you can imagine, that becomes quite a burden. But, yeah, I, I, it breaks my heart when I hear these. And, you know, in this next interview segment from Jeremy, you mentioned earlier about prices going up. And when you hear they go up maybe 10 cents or 25 cents, it's, it can sound like just a little bit. But people need to realize that when you have so little money, like you just mentioned, for instance, you may be getting paid $5 a month or something. The five cents, 10 cents, 15 cents. No, one cent. Once, okay. You know, like I remember, listen, I remember, you know, when I first came in, like, go back to a suit. A suit was 15 cent. I came to jail in 96. Suits would just be 15 cent. But before I get released, they're like 80 cents. No exaggeration. You know, stamps. I remember stamps were 25 cent when I first came in. Now a stamp is, a forever stamp is 60 cent. Yeah. 60 cent. So, I mean, one cent is a determination of can I buy this product yeah. to keep me not hungry or not. Yeah. For those of us who have relatively healthy incomes, we can dismiss a small raise. Right. But they can't. So At this all. is what Jeremy talks about. So everybody is talking about inflation out there. I've been watching all the news from in here. And it does affect us here in prison. And the reason is because so prices in the commissary, they're affected by everything that goes on out there as far as the inflation goes. So the distributors that the commissary uses have to raise their prices and then the prices are raised for us here and we're already paying a 30% markup on every item because the BOP charges us 30% for inmate trust fund, they call it, which is supposed to have to be a fund that goes towards other inmate needs. We don't really see that most of the time, a lot of times, but I remember 20 years ago, I used to be able to spend $100 on my commissary and I'd get a nice big fat bag of it's from the federal prison. Now, I spend $100 on commissary if I ever have that much, and I barely get a quarter of what I used to be able to get before. And we only have a $360 spending limit for the entire month. So if I'm only getting $360 of items, if I have that kind of money, and everything is going up 40% since I came into prison, then I'm not getting anywhere near what I used to be able to get. Lately, the inflation rate has been increasing really rapidly. So from week to week, things are changing on us in here. It's hard for us to keep up, but we have to budget our own limited funds. Most of us are extremely limited in the funds. So we have to budget those funds, and we have to be able to know how much we can spend for that week. And like I said, we have a limit each week that we're allowed to spend. So if we order something based on the limit that we had, based on the limit that we have, and based on the prices that were last week, we come to this week to try to get something of the same, same nature, and it's changed because the prices have gone up already. Yeah, listen to Jeremy. It makes me think back to like how... One of the main problems, like people accessibility to commissary with the inflation, equally the lack of availability for jobs. I remember when I first came into the federal system, when you get the inmate handbook, it's required that every inmate shall have a job. And technically on paper, your case managers, they're going to assign you a job. But realistically, when you got an institution that has over 1,200 people, they don't have capacity to hire everybody for 1,200 people you know, to do job. So the most part, they give you these work details and you got to realize, like, like I kind of mentioned earlier, like a lot of people don't have their GEDs 
you know, didn't finish school or not. So that's a segment of a population where the administration said, okay, cool, we just pay them, you know, $5. You know, that's similar, it's similar to like welfare, you know. Mm-hmm. Then for guys such as myself that did complete high school or not, a lot of times they just put us in the kitchen. And then you got to also, you got to realize the element of racial inequality there because a lot of the blacks, you know, they give us, the kitchen jobs or the landscaping job as far as picking up trash in the rec yard. A lot of the well-to-do uh, white inmates, you know, a lot of them get the job to pay more, like HVAC, plumbing jobs, electrical jobs, to be around a lot of the CEOs or be in the commissary. Someone like Bernie Madoff, who spent billions of dollars, they give him a commissary job. It's one of the highest-paying jobs on the commissary. You know, but for the majority of the black and brown population, you know, we get those menial working in the kitchen or working on the rec yard, which is paid no more than like $20, $20 at the most. A and month. A month. $20 a month. Yeah, let me clarify that. Thank you for clarifying that. $20 a month. Well, in some cases, man, you know, they just, they don't even hire you because there's too many of us that were locked up. So you got so many people that don't have jobs, but on the paper, they do have jobs and they just fall by the wayside. Yeah, I just want to add, uh, there's a mutual friend of ours, Donnie. Yes. He wasn't given a job for a very long time, and he was ecstatic when he finally got one, which was cleaning the bathrooms. Mm. <laughs> and actually, sometimes, you know, even though the pay is so bad, you want to just get out of the cell. Right. It just gives you something to feel busy. Right. But also, people also don't forget that, you know, there's a huge segment of people in Costa that's in solitary confinement that has no job at all. You have people that's on death row that have no job at all. You know, so they have no way of getting no type of institutional earnings there. So I know exactly um, what Jeremy talks about. Yeah, so in this next segment, Jeremy talks about his particular prison in Maryland and the situation there and how so few, he backs up what you just said, that most people don't have jobs, though they want one. They would take any kind of money that would help. Right. Actual guys who have a job, I would say maybe 20% of the prison. This institution probably has about 700 people on it. You know what I mean? And I would say maybe 200 have a job. Prison jobs are limited. There's not a whole lot that can be done in here that there's not a whole lot of positions that a prisoner can actually get. The better positions are highly coveted, so it takes a long time to finally get to one of those positions that actually pay half decent. And half decent is nowhere near what it used to be. Well, the inflation eats up the pay. Okay, so years ago, I used to be able to make $120 a month at the most at a particular job, depending on my position. Well, in 2010, they cut that in half. They actually cut the hours that we were allowed to work. Now, the highest pay I can make in a regular prison job is $84 a month. From $84 a month, I have to pay for my email credit, I have to pay for my telephone calls, I have to buy my hygiene items, and if I'm lucky, I have enough all left over, I got to pay for my own stamps. So once you get through these particular personal needs, there's not much left over to get anything outside of that. And again, it takes you down to the bare minimum. Now, a lot of people out there may think that, hey, well, you're in prison, you deserve to suffer. Listen, we've been convicted of a crime. We're sentenced by the judges. Our punishment is to be exiled from society, separated from our family. That is our punishment. There's nothing in this Constitution or in our system that requires us to be punished on a daily basis every time we wake up. Oh, another thing, Pam, I think that's equally important is that there's a segment of the MA population that nobody really talks about, and that's the people that's being detained for illegal entry, immigration. 
You know, um, when I was in a USP Lee County in Atwater in a maximum security penitentiary, you know, these guys are deserving time just for illegal entry and they don't have no jobs at all. So a lot of them guys, you know, they rely on cleaning other inmates' cells or fixing shoes or clothes or making paintings where they get commissary from So it's not an official job. It's not even an official job. They just existing. And it's heartbreaking because, you know, these guys, they come into America for a better life and get locked up for it and get like five years. And then basically the BOP is like a channeling system for ICE because they do their time for legal entry and then they just go into detention for See, I don't think people realize that. Our impression is that they go into, these immigrants go into a detention center, they're held there until they're deported. We don't realize that they're actually held like in a federal prison. Yes. I mean, there's so many Mexicans, El Salvadorians, uh, Cubans, Haitians. I mean, so many people just for immigration crimes, for legally entering because they're legally undocumented or whatever. They don't get jobs. They don't have no job. They're just literally just being housed here to however the BOP determines whatever their time is done and then ship them to ICE. Yeah. A lot of what we've been talking about today is sort of like gloomy, gloomy facts about prison. But I'm always heartened when I hear about people in Congress who are willing to introduce reforms. Now, we have a bad situation in Congress right now, given the rising rate of crime everybody's talking about. So I'm not optimistic that significant reforms will pass, right. but it takes a long time to get bills passed. Usually they have to be reintroduced, introduced, reintroduced several times before they can become law. And I'm actually really heartened that Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey introduced a bill that would actually require that people working in federal prisons are paid a minimum wage, a fair wage, right. which is a major. I've looked at all the reforms that have been introduced before. Not too many people focus on these unequal, actually continuation of slavery, really, in in prison. So this was amazing that Senator Booker would take this issue on. And I really would hope one thing that even if it doesn't have a chance to pass, if people in Congress know there's support for this, that's really important. So I would encourage listeners and viewers to write to their senators and indicate that they should support uh, Senator Booker's bill. I think it's S-516 is the bill number name. And I think it's um, very important not yeah. to cut you off because people understand, like, 90% of these guys that's incarcerated are eventually returning back to society. So what better way to increase public safety if you have an individual that's currently incarcerated but already thinking like a citizen? He's a wage worker. Mm-hmm. And not only that, he's working a job that's paying minimum wage. He's making, he's saving this money. Right. And he's coming home because, you know, this first 72 hours, the most crucial time for a person that's getting reacclimated back into society where they recidivate, you know? And imagine... Your immediate concern is food, shelter, and clothing, you know? So if you come home and you got a couple thousand dollars that you done saved up, yeah. you can provide immediate shelter, buy clothing, you know, you won't necessarily be a burden. You can actually come back into society and be in a position to be an immediate contributor to your family household. That person don't have an incentive to commit another crime. So that, that bill that Cory Booker, shout out to CB, man. I met him in person mm. with fam a few months ago, man. Outstanding congressman. Salute them. Please, man, we need to have support for that bill. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you want to close out the podcast episode? I hate to leave you all, but I'm sorry, <laughs> you got to go. Man, if you like this episode, please rate, review, subscribe to any uh, the platform that we want. You know, we are here 
to basically, you know, share the stories of God's inside to basically promote conversation, you know, because conversation brings a solution to this problem of criminal justice reform. And um, I'm honored to be here with Pam. Uh, Likewise. Shout out to Rob Barton, one of the co-founders of More Than Our Crimes, and um, to all the men that's still inside, to the people that's outside. You know, we are that beacon of light that making sure your loved ones won't be forgotten. Thank you. Thank you.